Welcome to Hit It, the Water Skier Magazine podcast, presented by USA Water Ski and Wake Sport, where we catch up each month with current stars, rising stars, and legends from the past from USA Water Ski and Wake Sports and its nine sport disciplines. This episode is brought to you by Visit Central Florida, the water ski capital of the world. I'm your host, Tyler Boyd. Welcome back, everyone, to the Hit It Podcast. I am extremely honored and excited to bring you this guest here today, and that guest is none other than Jimmy Seamers. Jimmy, the three-time world record holder and three-time world champ, sits down to talk about his career, a career that is going to be capped off this spring with his induction to the Waterski Hall of Fame. We talk about his beginnings in Marshalltown, Iowa, where he would eventually end up in Texas, to train for his destiny of becoming a professional water skier. We cover tons of things in this episode from the junior division, collegiate skiing, breaking world records, and bringing home a lot of gold medals for Team USA. You're not going to want to miss this one, and you're also going to want to stick around because there's some very interesting stories in this episode. It's like sitting on our back porch talking with Jimmy about a Hall of Fame career. So sit back and relax and enjoy this episode with Jimmy Seamers. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hit It podcast. Super excited to have this guest in the virtual studio here today, and it is Jimmy Seamers. Jimmy, welcome to the podcast. Mr. Boyd, thank you for having me, buddy. How are you? Oh, doing well, Jimmy. This is going to be super fun. Um, Obviously, we're here to recap your Hall of Fame career as you are an inductee this year to the Hall of Fame. When you hear those words, what goes through your mind? Well, I, I, I honestly was like, well, I, I don't think I'm old enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I kind of did retire. Um, you know, it's certainly an incredible honor and uh, I'm very lucky and excited for this uh, occasion. Well, it's we're we're pumped up for you, and it, it it does. It's like, how did it go by that fast? It's like, um, I, I remember being a junior right behind you, watching you go through the ranks, just waiting for you to take that next jump set or that next trick set. And here we are talking about your career, uh, and that's where I want to start the podcast. Want to go and recap, pretty much um, start to finish everything that you were able to accomplish in your, your career, because. It's an unbelievable career, Jimmy. I mean, and it goes all the way back to Marshalltown, Iowa, and you getting started at the age of four. Tell us how it all got started. Uh, yeah, that's that's essentially it. It actually goes back further because you have to look at my grandparents who really got us into this. Um, yeah, I know they skied in Tennessee quite a bit. Uh, you know, as my dad was growing up, my dad skied a little bit competitively. Um, I think his best jump was like 129. Uh, he got into 28 off, and then he uh, he quit trick skiing the the first term I skied in because I beat his uh, his PB. So he had <laughs> he he gave away trick skiing uh, a little bit early. But um, yeah, man, it, living in Iowa obviously was a difficult start. You know, the lake freezes over and it's cold and windy, and you know the winters are long. But we were fortunate enough to have a lake house. And so in the summer, my mom would uh, take us down, you know, and we essentially spend the summer there. 
you know, my dad had to go to work. So he would uh, take off, I think, if I remember right, it was Tuesday night. We'd ski with him Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, and then he'd go back to work. Yeah, we had a, a place on Ponderosa, and I think there was a kneeboarder that came out of there as well, Ted Bill of Aqua. Okay. I believe came out of there. Uh, so same lake. I mean, just you're talking, there's 300 houses on the lake. There's not a course. There's not a ramp. There's none of that, right? This is like people are tubing and there's jet skis while you're skiing and the fishermen are mad at you, you know, when you're out there at 6.30 a.m. trying to get some turns in before, you know, the other boaters get out there. Sure. So let's talk about that because adverse conditions growing up in the Midwest, I mean, Midwest skiers, very, very tough. I mean, uh, you, you have a short season um, in Iowa, so you have to make sure you get all your ski rides in before it gets too cold. Is is that one of the reasons why? Because, I mean, early in your career, boys won. I'm looking at it. You were the Midwest trick record holder with 1,990 points. Did you gravitate early to tricks? Uh, yeah, I think so, because we didn't really see, I, I rarely saw a slalom course. The only time I saw a slalom course was going to a tournament. And same thing with jumping. We didn't have a ramp. So for me, I think tricks came first. And also there was influence from Bill Peterson, the father. I mean, he ran Peterson Ski School, father of Kyle Peterson. I remember that. Yeah. Uh, you know, world trick champion. And he said, you know, if you're going to spend time, do it on tricks right now. And so, you know, that's what we did. I would go down to Peterson's maybe, you know, a week or two a year and, you know, grab some information and come back home and, and uh you know try to apply it wow yeah i haven't heard that name peterson in a long time but oh, that right? brings a lot of good <laughs> memories back yeah and and i even remember some of those masters back in the late 90s where he was still skiing he was it's certainly an influence on me you know i mean i i got to sit there when i was like 14 ish 15 and watch him like invent stuff it was amazing wow. yeah i had Very a really cool. good experience what was he one of the first skiers that used the toehold harness that without a handle, I'm trying to remember. You know, he might have been. I, I think you're right on that. Okay. okay. I do think you're right on that. Well, that yeah. that kind of leads us to where we're going through your career. I mean, boys won, you're <laughs> off to a fast start, right? Now well, you minus, enter in. Minus the slalom, you know, obviously. Well, well, we'll catch up with slalom <laughs> a little bit later. But you're you're in boys two, boys three, right? And and you're you're taking down records left and right in in the jump division and in the trick division, and then obviously being an overall skier. I mean, you go on to have some incredible accomplishments in overall, not only through the juniors division, but all the way through your career into the elite ranks and and breaking world record. I wanted to get your perspective. You're you're looking up to some people here. It sounds like Kyle Peterson was one of those people. But are you looking at this uh, already as a junior going, man, I could maybe make a run at this as a career, or are you just trying to go to tournaments and ski the best you can? I mean, let's talk about like, so you're saying boys two, boys three. Yeah. I mean, it it, it started before that. It started um, like hot summer nights. Okay. You know, okay. Yeah. Like that's when that idea started. I think, you know, seven, eight years old was was kind of the start as a career path for me. It wasn't like I just got lucky. Like, I wanted this from the beginning. Okay, so the seed was planted to become a professional skier. Seven, eight years old, hot summer right. nights. Wayne right. Grimdage, I, Dan right. Debenham, all those guys announcing. Exactly. I mean, you have, like, like you know, Dina Mapple dominating, and Andy was killing it, Wade. I mean, so many, so many like, idols there. Sammy, Carl. 
I mean, just phenomenal. I think my dad saw it as well, and he's kind of the engineer behind this whole thing, you know. I got to tell him, hey, I want to do this. I want to be really good at this. And then kind of engineered a plan, and we rolled with it. That's amazing. That's amazing, Jimmy. I did not know that the seed was planted that young. I mean, it's very rare to find athletes of your caliber that really have the vision that earlier. I mean, it happens. I mean, Tiger Woods, yeah. obviously, those types of things, and we hear those stories. But to have that type of vision so young, I guess you already have kind of the roadmap in which you're willing to follow going into the upper boys divisions. Now, you're doing things as a junior skier that no one had ever seen before. And this is right when tricks is evolving. I mean, we're maybe seeing two flips out of boys two, maybe yeah. one, but really none. I mean, we're at wake five fronts, those types of things. You're right. one of the first guys to bring a full series of flips to a run in the junior division. Tell us about that. Right. Well, I think, um, again, we're going to go way back because I started doing gymnastics when I was like five or something okay. like that. So that was a, that that's way, yeah, that's a way long time ago. And and I kept up with gymnastics until I was like 15, 16. And, and even the end of my gymnastics was me on the trampoline. I like, I wouldn't do rings. I wouldn't do bars. I would, you know, I just wanted to play and do flips. So literally tie a handle up to the ceiling and, and just go play for two hours on a trampoline. It started. Yeah. I think, I think that was kind of the basis of it was, was gymnastics. And then, Man, you want to hear the story about how I learned flips? Oh, absolutely. I guess like <laughs> the first so the first one I tried to flip with Camilo. Actually, no, I got to rewind because boys won nationals at the end of my run at Corey's on Lake on their last lake. I threw moat front front was my first flip ever. And I came up just short of it. Wow. And I mean, I just hucked something, right? Like I had no clue what I was doing. Just hucked it. So, and, so, so mope front to front just because of the gymnastic experience or I, I mean, I guess so. It's just what made sense in my head. So I, I almost kind of made it. And then, you know, I left it alone. I started skiing with Camilo. We'll have to get into that at some point, but skied with Camilo a little bit. He taught me a flip. It took me, I mean, I went out, I did one try and he's like, hold on. No, come back. We went back to the dock. He hung a rope up from the ceiling, showed me, you know, what I needed to do, went out, and I made my second one. Okay. So you might go, oh, man, talented. Well, it took me two years to learn the second one. I couldn't do it to save my life. It made no sense to me. And then I went to, let's see, Camilo was working at Corey's that year, and I think I was 14. And I went to Corey's, and... All of a sudden, Camilo taught me a second flip, a third flip, a fourth flip, a fifth flip, and sixth. All in the span wow. of like three days. I went boom, 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 boom. Wow. Okay, I got it. Yeah, so I went from a couple backflips to having like a full professional run or, you know, on my way to to having that. <laughs> well, what, do you, what do you think it was? I mean, like three days, that's so quick. Was it just something triggered that, hey, I need to cut this way, I need to turn my right. body? exactly just where to be in space and, and how to load and when to load and when to release a little and you know i just not that they were great flips or, but you know i was making them sure i actually have to back up i made front flip when i was 10 about i think okay I, I gave myself so many black eyes and bloody noses trying to land that stupid thing <laughs> <laughs> no i landed it at like some at a teen camp like at uh i think i want to say cindy benzel was in the boat 
or Dave, one of them, there's like, holy cow, this kid just made a front flip. <laughs> well, it, it, it just for our listeners to go back when that was, we're talking, you know, early to mid 90s. I mean, right. Yeah. I mean, so early 90s. It, yeah. I mean, you're coming off of the 80s kind of where maybe Corey has one flip, but, you know, right. seven front to fronts in a run or something like that. And right. so flips are coming into the run and juniors aren't really doing them yet. And you would, I remember back then, Jimmy, it was like you'd go to ski schools too. And the advice to do a flip was like, well, you just got to go out and try them. And what do you do? Get yeah. black eyes, right? Like right. it wasn't exactly. very good. Um, <laughs> exactly. So, so to get it all figured out where you have this whole series of flips and a run, now you're on this incredible pace, right? Because right. you have basically a professional run of what tricks ends up evolving into as far as a program's concerned. By the time you get out of boys three, you're the, you know, the record holder at 10,350 points, which is absolutely unheard of. And at that time, yeah. that that gets you into the finals. Yeah, that, major event. Right. That, that that puts you on the podium or not always on the podium, depending on where it is. I mean, that that was up there at the time. And I think I had I had the record at 10, six, but somebody stood up in front of the camera. So oh, no. they I, we couldn't get a time on it. <laughs> That was but, that was uh, back in the day when we used to have actually the trick horn and you'd right. have to film like you know with the camera on your shoulder. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's it. It's so I mean that happened, but no no biggie. Wow. So yeah. but but you know, you're carrying all three events here. So tricks is obviously on the upswing. We're gonna talk about jump in, in just a moment. Tell us about your slalom journey though, because to be an overall skier, you gotta have all three. And yeah, you, you had to get that event to a point where it wasn't going to hurt you. It may not help you like tricks and jump was going to help you. Right. But I mean, you skied really, really good on some slalom. Uh, tell us about that journey. I mean, I think as a kid, I didn't enjoy it that much. It wasn't it wasn't my thing. I would I would, you know, sing while slaloming. Um, I get bored. <laughs> I didn't, I don't know. It just was not my, honestly, man, that's just, that's, even up to What's like, it, what song were you singing? I don't even remember just what, whatever was in my head, but I mean, all the way to like 14 years old, you know, I'd just be out there like, la di da, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it, it, you know, I think the biggest thing in my slalom was I never slalomed well at a world's. I mean, that's like, that's like a, something that always irks me. And I never, I, I never had a record, like an overall record or anything where my slalom was strong. You know, it's like, I mean, we'll talk about one point, but one and a half at 35 at, at Worlds in 03 was, that's that's rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's unfortunate because, I mean, I can, there's there's so many times where, you know, I'm like running 38 pretty solid, which was okay back then, you know. I was getting a couple at 39, but it just never showed in a tournament. I mean, it yeah. did in terms, but you know, not in, not in the majors for some reason, you know, I mean, even Austria, I think I missed, I missed the handle coming out of four ball at 35 And that morning. I had run 38 in blinding rain. I couldn't even see what I was doing and ran it. Wow. You know? Wow. So it's like kind of one of those things. It's like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> you gotta be kidding me. You gotta well, be well, kidding me. I mean, but the other events right. were always so strong. I mean, that was right. the thing. I mean, the jump and the trick and, that combination, we'll talk about some of your competitors that you end up meeting down the road. I mean, that was kind of 
the the story with somebody like Jarrett Llewellyn as well, right? I mean, the tricks and jump and those types of things. But but let's go to jump now because right. I remember. I mean, I remember distinctively being at the Lakes of Cypress Hill around 1997. I have a a photo of that set, I think. I think I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, we are like, the main event is Jimmy Seamer's Boys 3 Jump, and we're sitting on the side just waiting for you to come in because, again, at that time, you're jumping consistently 180s. I mean, like... You're just not missing. And it's all three right. are really, really good. You hold the record at 189. Tell us a little bit about that because it really seemed at one portion of your career in juniors, like jump just got figured out. And when you figured it out, it just kept going bigger and bigger. Yeah. I I mean, I certainly like put in the time and the effort to make that happen because there's there was a summer or two where I was living in Houston at Cypress, uh, not Cypress, that's where you live, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at uh, Terramare with the yeah. winds. Um, and, and Camilo was there and, you know, his whole crew, the Wilson boys. Yeah. You know, just, uh, oh, Matt Kermy, all with Kerm you know, the Kermys yeah. were always there. Um, but man, they just had this headwind every day at four o'clock. It was just phenomenal. This light little breeze would come in cross head and it would be like, all right, jump 30. I mean, I would take three sets. So I'd take 15 jumps. I remember, I think the summer you're talking about, I don't think I passed the whole year. Wow. Like, I don't, like, I certainly didn't pass a Terramare. I mean, I hit the ramp every single time, 15 times a day. And so, yeah, I mean, I had it, we had it pretty figured out. And then I had perfect conditions. I mean, it was just, that place was unreal for jump. Yeah. And where we were skiing then at Terramare, it's a two leg site. And so you would right. start on one leg go off the dock you would circle around and then come back on lake two and i always thought this was amazing i've told you this before typically the mentality of a jumper you kind of want to ski by the ramp you want to see oh is there a turtle on the ramp is there anything yeah. in my way it would be 7 30 in the morning you would take <laughs> off from one lake not ski by the ramp come directly in with a full cut go 185 on your first jump at 7 30 a.m i mean it was insane yeah. To think back at, at what you were doing, but um, talk to us a little bit about that because you're skiing with Camilo and Camilo's training you and he's training you for all types of conditions because right. not only in jump, you're going to go to different sites. It's going to look different, but you may have different boat speeds and tricks. Tell us a little bit about that training right. regimen. Well, I mean, Camilo always, always kind of thought just random randomly outside of the box you know hey we should ski in rollers we should ski in this stuff and you know who who's to say you're not going to jump at 7 30 a.m in a tournament and he was right we did it i mean i remember distinctly one of my best sets ever was uh in russia i jumped amazing and it was like 8 30 in the morning everyone's complaining wow. i'm like i can do this <laughs> <laughs> where camilo used to live is just on this huge chain of, chain of lakes in windermere and you'll be going by and there's a wakeboard boat and someone's wake surfing and there's, you know, there's just boat traffic everywhere. And Camilo's expectation is that doesn't matter. You just ski through it. Like you don't stop your run. They're just rollers deal with it. You know, and that obviously that translated across the world. Like we, we skied in the middle of the ocean in Qatar or Qatar. I mean, there was like three foot waves coming up the ramp. So you were either hitting a six footer or a three foot ramp and you wouldn't know. You know, and and I kind of got the vision 
to see that and it i mean it, I, I won the first round but then we scrapped the tournament but i was super prepared for stuff like that like i won jump and i think i might have won tricks that year i'm not sure you know, but and, always, and that's that's interesting yeah. jimmy because it kind of goes back to the hot summer nights right when you were watching hot summer nights that was anywhere anytime those right. those guys back then did not know what the conditions were going to be like right and so you're kind of into that mentality anyway where hey, hey if i'm going to yeah, ski I, mean, I don't know right we did it i mean you know you know austin well enough we would go to lake austin and ride jumpers before masters you know we oh would, wow oh yeah like i mean you know we put in that that little extra effort to make sure you know that i was i was good to go that's but, amazing because you know, speaking of the Masters, obviously that tournament's going to be coming up in May, along with Moomba here in just a couple of weeks. Right. It's... Oh, I love Moomba. I wish I could go. I love <laughs> well, that we'll talk so about Moomba. I... Oh. Well, it, you know, you're you're training and you're trying to simulate what you're going to face, and it's near impossible, right? You're, I mean, how do you right. simulate what you're going to face at Moomba or the Masters? But to go to a huge open lake in Austin. I never, I never would have thought of that, but that is a, an incredible yeah, technique. I mean, I've done it. I think we've done it on Lake Conroe as well. I think we need to do that, you know, just to get a little, oh, mix it up a little. <laughs> well, if all those South Central region or uh, skiers that are listening to this podcast know about Lake yeah. Conroe and riding jumpers, yeah, I don't think you'll see me out there doing that. Yeah. So he, here's the deal. On an individual level, you're breaking records left and right. You're clearly way ahead of the pack at a junior level but what i also thought that was super cool during that time period was the junior u.s teams you were a part of um, right. and those teams were anchored on the men's side by yourself on the women's side by regina jake was and it was like the dream team of you know the most elite skiing that you know we've seen at a junior yeah. level talk to us about those teams no i mean reg and i uh you know, we put some work in. <laughs> she's still going. She's a she's a beast, huh? Like, <laughs> I, I I mean, I think Regina easily could go another 10, 15 years. Right. Like, we'll see, you know. <laughs> we'll see. But no, it was, you know, the U.S. junior team, it, it, it was such a small sport. Well, not such a small sport, but, you know, you would see the same people all over the place. So, you know, it, it, it was good because you – you got to travel around the world with these people that you know already and, you know, get to hang out and, and share a passion. It, and it's crazy because, you know, you see guys like Joey Blakely, like I haven't seen him in, in forever and saw him and reconnected with him. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's a lifelong thing where people tend to come back to the sport and, uh, you know, I'm seeing some, some older names from, from us teams come back and starting to ski a little bit. So yeah, I noticed. Cool. I saw that uh, when you yourself have skied in an over 35 worlds, I think Joey came back uh, to right. at least the nationals. And right. I think he won slalom and then he maybe senior skied. worlds and senior worlds. OK, yeah. And he skied well there, I think. So very cool. Well, yeah, yeah it mean, is. I mean, those relationships of just, you know, having the camaraderie of being on a team. And then obviously we always get back to this on the podcast. It's like a family sport, you know, water right. is an extension of your family. So. Very cool, exactly. but those teams were solid. I mean, you guys yeah. were winning. We, we all did the some time. winning. <laughs> yeah, we did. did some winning. We were pretty good at that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, here's the deal. I wanted to, I wanted to, to, to get your take on that. So the dream had always been 
to be a professional water skier. You're yep. 17 going on 18 years old. You're, you're going out of the junior division. You're right where you need to be, right? Like your scores yeah, was, right. are really good. I was good. already kind of there. I was already pretty competitive. Like I wanted to hit the 01 Worlds in Italy, and I sprained my ankle pretty bad and had to take about three weeks off before it. And 9-11, it just happened. So we just scrapped 01 Worlds, but I was super ready for that. Um, well, and and just to backtrack, let's talk about 2000 Tri Lakes and jump. Yeah, because, yeah, that was, yeah. Because that, because right. you come out of a junior. I know. I mean, this is incredible, Jimmy. This is incredible. You're holding the record at the upper 180s as a junior. So now yeah. you've got to adjust the ramp. You're going to six foot. You're going 35 miles an hour. Tell us about your jumping because you end up breaking the world record literally a year after you're a junior. Yeah. So I had finished uh, high school and skied that summer. And then I wanted to take a little time off as I started. I guess I, I started at community college because I didn't know where I wanted to go. We got to get into college too, right? Yeah. We got to talk, talk about college. Talk Absolutely. About college. Um, yeah, the only championship that ASU's ever had was with Jimmy Seamers. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. So, <laughs> I think very late in that year, I, I, I took a set of Picos's six foot 35 and I'd never tried it before. Right. Just Camilo threw me out there. Here you go, bud. Here's six foot 35. And I had the most consistent set ever. I went 204 with my right tip down halfway, you know, just sitting there going, oh, God, you know, the pucker moment. And <laughs> and then I, I did it again. Second jump, 204, right tip down. Third jump, 204 with my right tip down. Okay, I got an, I got an issue. <laughs> so um, was, the, was the issue that you just weren't bringing your right ski around enough? Or what was yeah, going I on with the right so. tip? Just, I mean, just, just the way the ramp works, you know, that, that different angle on, on your body, I had to adjust, you know. And, and now we're smart enough to where we, you know, we just inch the ramp up just ever so slightly and, like, you know, the people barely feel it, but eventually, you know, you're jumping six foot. I I got thrown into the wild a bit. You know, that set made me think a little bit. And then I, I did a, um, I did one more tournament that fall and I went 214, I think 214, something like that, or maybe 17, somewhere in there. And then I quit skiing for the year. I started playing racquetball with my buddy. Do you remember the name JP Grieve? You may be too. That sounds familiar. He, yeah. he, was a, he was a pro wakeboarder. He skied for the University of Texas as well. And him and uh, Camilo were good friends and on the ski team together. We started playing racquetball and, and okay. working out. And I've never really, I mean, I worked out in soccer, I guess. We worked out in the gym, but I, I kept it up, you know, through the, the, the even though I wasn't in high school anymore, because, I mean, my daily high school routine was usually pretty ridiculous. Like, have soccer in the morning, soccer after school, ski five sets in a row, and then go run 10 miles. You know, like wow. that was a day for me. I kept that routine up and I actually, that's probably one of the strongest I've ever been was showing up to that tournament. I think, I don't even know if I took practice sets. I think my dad just said, Hey, you should go like, just go ski. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I had no expectations, you know, and I show up the first round. I think I tricked, I tricked well, I slalomed well, and I jumped 
pretty damn far. Like I was close to the overall world record wow. that first day. Right. And so I celebrated that night. <laughs> Not going to lie. I celebrated and I, I actually didn't feel all that great the next morning. And, and, this, and that's is, this is this is the the preparation for world record capability yeah. breaking. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, man. So so the next morning I had to go trick and slalom, not feeling that. Oh, so great. you you even skied before you even went out for this jump set? Wow. No, 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 no. I'm saying never mind. Let's we won't worry about it. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I I knew I was kind of on pace to break the overall record okay and they told me i had to break the jump record to get the overall record okay that's like oh okay <laughs> and i and i felt good the day before for not skiing you know i was like feel pretty strong like i just felt strong you know i'd taken some time off and let my body heal from a couple years of abuse but still kept working out yeah, I smashed one. <laughs> yeah, so 233, 70.9 meters in 2000. I think it shocked the world because yeah. I remember, I mean, again, I mean, we're thinking 2000 information doesn't travel exactly the way it's right. traveling now. I mean, it's not like we were in the Stone Age with no internet. No, for sure. People are for calling sure. everybody. Did you hear what just happened at Bennett's? Jimmy knocked one out of the park. Tell us a yeah. little bit about that experience. Well, and, and you and I have talked about this before, but I think one of the motivating factors for me was uh, some posts that were on SkiFly, SkiFly.com from back in the day, you know, when you could anonymously say things. And there was, you know, like, he's never going to be anyone. He's never going to go far. He's just going to crash all the time, you know, and, and I read them and I saw them and I was like, you know what? Watch this. <laughs> wow. That's just, uh, you well, know, my and, mentality. And, and and the crazy thing about it, I mean, it didn't sound like you had much training going into the tournament. You were just like physically rested. You felt right. strong. Probably. Well, I'd, done the, I'd done the reps, right? Like I put in the work from years before. Sure. So, you know, the muscle memory didn't fade that quick. So, and, and dude, I still got it, man. I've been cutting and passing a little bit. <laughs> like. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So your community college, you're, 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 you're playing racquetball, you're doing all these things, then you go break a world record. Does that yeah. send you to Arizona State University? How do you get there? Camilo went there for his MBA. So okay. yeah, he's like, Hey, man, you got to come to school here. This is, this is going to be the place for you. I was like, All right, I'm coming. And it, man, I love that choice. Huh? I love that I went there. It is so good. We had such a cool, cohesive team. You know, and, and a lot of people from our team ended up like marrying each other, you know, long, and now they've got kids like the Abelsons, uh, Jimmy Townsend, you know, and, and a lot of us keep up with each other and, uh, you know, keep up with the coach, Dave Phillips, who just phenomenal work that guy did on huh? like fundraising. Yeah. And well, and, and, and you going to ASU really put ASU on the map. I mean, right. I mean, it's always been a good ski team. Right. But then, right. you know, you recruit over Jimmy Seamers. Now it's like, OK, now they're in the national championship conversation. I'm trying to remember. I'm going off the top of my head. I think there's a video somewhere and I think it was at Collegiate Nationals. It, you guys are almost jumping into the night uh, yeah. because anybody who skied Collegiate right. Nationals knows that jump ins, you know, basically last thing, last thing. 
was it Dane? Right. You're, yeah, you're correct. So it got down towards the, like you said, I mean, it was nighttime, like the street lights were on and it was hard to see the ramp. And I only took two jumps so I could give Dane Puxty, Puxty. you know, yeah. yeah, his set before it got so dark that it would be, you know, just not going to happen. And then the guy beats me on his third jump. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well that 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 was an epic battle right there. And that, yeah. it was kind of cool to see that play out the way it did because it kind of shows how close collegiate skiing is all together that you guys were able to agree, like, yeah. hey, look, the sun's going down. Let's just and, and you yeah. put on a show, right? And that's what Oh yeah, doing. it was awesome. Yeah. It was awesome. And and you know, I mean, it obviously like since it was collegiate nationals, it's not about me. It's about the team, you know. So if if I didn't win, no, no big deal. The, I knew that we needed a, like a score and, and we had it. So I just went out, jumped and, uh, you know, got to go celebrate with the team. Yeah. And that was their first national championship, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, ASU wins, Jimmy Seavers goes there and um, just an incredible run there from a collegiate standpoint. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about that because in collegiate skiing, you only get one pass and tricks, right? So that right. plays right into your specialty of doing flips. And you right. also held that record for a long time as well. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, your flip run in college. Yeah, that I mean that that's uh, that record did stick around for quite a while. Yeah, I mean, remember back then we were still limited. We were limited to six flips. I mean, I think if I, I I'm remembering the run, like I I know I made ski line seven, so that's you know that's kind of usually what bumps up. Like you're you're talking a lot about flips, right? And yeah. for me, it was, I can do all these flips, but if I can do wake seven front and ski line seven, okay. I can score more points. And yeah, so there was always that. And then, you know, throughout, I guess, throughout my trick career, certain flips got easier and faster, and then they made more sense first, you know, and take taking risk away from ski line seven and transferring that into a flip that I think is super easy to do. But yeah, I mean, like, oh, Bennett's like, man, I did wake seven front first trick. Wow. Like. I had a I had a crazy beginning to my run. And and, yeah, and, was, and you probably don't remember this conversation, but you're the first person I ever learned that from of really uh, analyzing even what boat you would go behind to make sure that you would have enough time in your run. For example, if the flips or, or the wake was too big, it right. I, I you don't can like do the flip, flips. but yeah, you right. run out of time. I'm just wasting time. Like yeah. I can do the whole run without a wake. You know, just out in the flats. I used to be able to do my whole run. I don't need a wake. I'll make my own. Put you but, on the cable. <laughs> yeah. yeah we, I've been doing a little cable ride in Mexico. <laughs> I enjoy actually cable jumping. Okay. I've been hitting the kicker on jump skis, you know, just kind of like doing some wild stuff off the kickers. Very it's cool. Fun. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and that was another thing, you know, watching you ski throughout your career. You know, whether it was the 7.30 in the morning jump set or it was, hey, I'm going to go out there and I'm just going to do a flip set where, I don't know, I'm just going to try whatever I think I can do in my mind. Right. I, I mean, for our listeners, that people just weren't doing that. So I remember sitting on the dock and I was watching you do these things. And, you know, it made it might have been something like a, a mob front to front or something like that, yeah. uh, which now we're seeing all the time. But back then. People couldn't even put their body in the position to attempt that trick. Tell us a little bit about your mentality there. Were you trying to kind of master tricks to put them into your run, or did you just want to see what was possible to do on a trick ski? 
there there's certainly been an importance placed on playing like we figured that out pretty early like you need to learn how to be playful so you you see it now when joel poland skis i mean that guy can play on a trick ski jake abelson he can play on a trick ski they can do all sorts of weird stuff and i mean jake's just doing like wake 180s i'm like dude i don't even know if i want to try that like Well, that's interesting. And I have heard that from Joel Poland uh, in one of his interviews that, you know, he was taught from a young age, like, you know, you take your your ski rides and they're serious. But at the end of the day for him, he would always play around on his trick ski. And obviously we see that. But you're saying that's kind of the same mentality. And maybe that helps you avoid burnout if you're doing seven, eight sets a day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, it's just it's super important to play. I mean, you have to have your serious sets as well. Right. But they've got to be fun. You have sure. to be enjoying it and you're not going to enjoy every set and every day and all that. But the ones, the ones that, uh, you know, you actually accomplish things and things get done or, uh, you know, make it all worthwhile and uh, get you back to the lake again to do it again. So it's, it's 2000, 2001 and the kind of where we are in the timeline of your career I, and your major competition is like an overall, I'm sure it's Jarrett Llewellyn. Um, yeah. Who who else is around during that time? Is Patrice uh, Javier was there? Javier, Javier, okay. Joel Wing. Joel Wing. Ryan Green. Ryan Green. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's yeah, there's there's some names, and I'm I'm sure I'm missing people. I never got to ski against Patrice. That okay. that irked me. That really he was me. right there on what ninety five six seven. Yeah, kind of. He kind of bowed out, and he made a comeback for a little bit, and that's when I like. Camilo and I challenged him to an overall tournament. I wanted, I mean, like seriously, mono e mono. Like no one has to know about it. We'll do it at, at uh, McCormick's because he skied there. I like the site. Yeah, but he he said no. He said no. Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to ski against him. You know, I mean, sure. I think it'd be it'd be amazing. <laughs> Absolutely. But, well, um, and in in your main competition too on the jump ramps, Jarrett Llewellyn and Freddie Krueger. Fred. Yeah. And, and you're going through an interesting period in water skiing, too, from a jumping perspective, because it's ski like, fly. are we going to go ski fly or are we not? Right. Right. Ski Tell fly. us about that. Did you did you well, ski fly? I didn't. Being in Arizona, we didn't have a ramp. So that's, okay. you know, issue one. Issue two, we don't have a boat. So you would have to essentially move to Orlando to ski fly if you wanted to, you know, partake. I I was going to do the big air event in Arizona. It was where we had collegiate nationals. And I trained just with my boat. You know, it, it's like doesn't have the biggest engine that the ski fly boats have. I put the ramp down to five foot and made it as long as I could to try to simulate it. And it was wild, man. I was going like 250, 260, like, you know, just the boat as fast as it would go off a five foot ramp. And it was wow. like this little flying bullet. The day, <laughs> yeah. The day before the event, I was I had a a news interview and they had a helicopter above, you know, filming me take a jump set. Well, there was also a film crew in a wakeboard boat that took off the dock sideways and sent a wakeboard roller down the lake. So when I got to the bottom of the boat or bottom of the ramp, I had this helicopter, you know, with wind. And then I had I hit wakeboard rollers and I mean, game over. (laughs) Broke my arm. I skateboarded to the hospital. Got wow. it. Got it fixed up. But yeah, that was. Was that, so? That was the end. 
of the ski fly, like attempting to go. Yeah, that was the end of the that ski was fly it. for me. And, yeah. And, Right. And, and I, and I, I had told the guys before, you know, everyone was kind of saying, Hey, this will be safer. Da, da, da. And I, I mean, we had meetings about it and I sat there and went, guys, it's only safer because you're not cutting at it yet. Like wait till somebody wants to go 300. Right. You know, right. like you're all going to get hurt like bad. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not safer when you crash, it's going to hurt more. Once, it's, once that competition element right. kicks in. Right exactly and it and it did right like fred ended up boosting it um i'm pretty sure ryan was going pretty far when he was doing it yeah and so you stay the course though you're still an overall skier yeah and and the 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 jump world record changes hands a couple of times it looks like freddie breaks it jared breaks it you come back in 2003 and go 236 and that yeah. was at the us open typically we don't really see world records go down at a big stage, but to yeah. go do it at the U S open, that's pretty special. I know that was cool. Huh? I'm, I'm so happy that I did it with everyone there. Yeah. You know, it, it, it is a backyard ski site. So it's not like, you know, I wasn't out in the ocean somewhere and, you know, popped one off, but uh, the site's great. But the fact that everyone, you know, I mean, basically everyone was there. Yeah. That's it doesn't get any yeah, Everyone I just noticed. <laughs> I just noticed too, Jimmy. You know, being from the South Central region, both of those world records at Bennett's and at Lago were in the South Central region. That's really cool. Right. I think it has. Um, I think there's something to do with humidity, like, and maybe the pressure in the air. You know, the um, in in lower elevation and close to uh, oceans. I think okay. it had, you know, there's a there's a correlation there with distance because if you look go around and look at world records and jump, that's typically sites like that. Interesting. Well, and you had always worn a speed suit too, and you did, you know, you had a your your classic Jimmy Seamer's press, you know, that basically was go. as aerodynamic as possible. And and obviously the cover shot on the water skier magazine with the fish yeah. pumped up in the air and the red, yeah, white, yeah. and blue. <laughs> um, there was a lot of time I think you probably spent into understanding the aerodynamics of jump. Yeah, I, actually, you're gonna love this. My my parents might not as much. So Camilo <laughs> put me on the roof of his uh, Nissan Z okay. back in the day, and we go 80 miles an hour down Aquaplex Drive. And no way would, yeah not joking man <laughs> so you're wait a minute are you on top of the car yes you're are you in like a speed suit or are you what, yeah, what are you both. doing both like so you're in jump gear we, yeah we like tested this stuff on top no of way. his feet yeah so you're going 80 <laughs> miles an hour and let's just say your classic red white yes. blue speed suit i i hope you have your helmet on um yeah. <laughs> and, and you're like working on a jump press yeah, just work, just feeling wind and and figuring out what's the most aerodynamic to where you know I kind of like feel like I'm falling forward a little bit. Wow. So yeah, we actually worked on these things. <laughs> In an age of social media, man, that would have been so viral. Oh, dude. I know. I wish I, I wish it was, you know, we had GoPros back then and people could see the stupid things we actually did. Oh my goodness. So <laughs> You're working on you're working on and off the water on the jump press. I've never heard that, by the way. That's that's an incredible story. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, so you're at the top of your game. I mean, 
What one thing that's interesting about the early 2000s, there just seemed to be a lot of tournaments. You know, people they just were. skied a lot. Um, right. Not to say, and I think today that what, what's what's a little bit different is the season just seems longer. I mean, it just right. seems to go a long time. But every weekend you were at a tournament and you would be at a, either a professional event, but a lot of people were skiing record tournaments, L tournaments, right. and that's just the way it was. Um, how did How did you keep up? with that pace because it i don't know how many tournaments you were skiing but i would think it was like probably over 20 or 30 a year yeah i would think so i mean especially between college tournaments and uh i, I honestly that's when i tapered off of record tournaments so um you know i never i never chased world records that was never a thing that i did they just happened to me yeah i mean i i skied very little you know i'd ski maybe a little bit in orlando couple tournaments here and there if something was easily available i'd go ski you know i certainly wasn't traveling to go to record tournaments at that point so yeah i mean it was limited down to down to pro and in college i really focused on that through the uh you know 2000 to 2005 you know kind of focused in in that that realm okay so when you when you look back during that period of time i mean the credentials are incredible you're a three-time world record holder. You're a three-time world champ during this time. When you look back on that in hindsight, what was kind of your favorite memory? And it, it may have been a, a memory of just being out at the lake or one of those big tournaments. Favorite ski memory has to be 03 Worlds because I, I told my dad that's what I wanted to do. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I told him that when I was a, a little kid, you know, and it came true. But yeah, man, I, I had to ski hard on, I ran one and a half at 35 off. I blew my fin at two ball. So you're sitting there and that would be like a dagger to most, right? Like I was done done. game over. So what did you end up tricking and jumping? I came back and yeah, 11, seven, 70, I think. And and the world record was 11, nine. Wow. Somewhere in there. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I damn near set the world record and on a brand new ski. So I broke my toe ski the day before, like just snap. So brand new ski, never been on it, mounted it up. And back then, you know, it's like you had to drill the holes in. Oh, so yeah. everything. Don't drill right. it through the bottom of the ski. R- right. <laughs> Classic. So, yeah, I mean, I tricked, tricked really well. And I may have, I can't remember which round was which, but yeah, 11, 11, 9. And I think another round I went 11, 7, 70. Wow. Yeah, I did. I made toe line front, and I, I've never done that credit before. It was actually credit, and I mean, normally it was horrible, and uh, and I wasn't planning on ever getting scored, you know, for a toe line front. So, it, I mean, I tricked out of my mind. Um, and so you you and I and I guess jump was the last. Jump was last, and they told me I had to beat Jarrett, and I don't remember by how many feet. But it was like, I mean, I had to beat him or it was like by a foot maybe. And uh, and obviously he had skied well. Uh, but yeah, I had to go 220. He went 225. I had to go somewhere in there. And wow. I went 232. 232. So, Where did that get you on the podium? Uh, for, and jump? Uh, well, no. So jump's a different event because this was the overall event. Ah, okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's so bifurcated it's totally, out totally separate away. Right. Separate from, from, you know, the, the individual jump final. So yeah, I went 232, which would have, I think that would have won. 
the regular jump final. But wow. no, I remember that jump final because it ha- this has happened to me so many times. I go out, it's a slight tailwind. And I had set myself up. I had set myself up for third place because I wanted, I, I enjoyed, or I, I've, I've found this pattern that if I'm third place and Jarrett and Freddie are after me, usually I won. Really? Yeah. So I had that figured out. Was if that just go, because you could put pressure on the dock? I, I don't, I don't know if that was it. I, I mean, I know now you can't scare Freddie, you know, I don't <laughs> doubt you could then either, but <laughs> I would notice that if I could come in third in the prelims or fourth, that finals usually went really well for me. And I jumped far. It was a, it was a slight tailwind. Jared got flat conditions and Freddie got a cross head okay. and he footed me that <laughs> he, he got me by a foot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, we, Fred, Freddie's done that a couple times to oh, a couple it, different people. It's happened. Yeah. It's so frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> so but, uh, I'm competitive. If you don't know, I like to win. <laughs> yeah. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So, you know, you're, you're, you're coming off that win. I mean, that's, you know, obviously the best memory. I mean, there's a million good memories, but if that one yeah. takes the cake, what a way. I mean, and against like, like you're, you're, I mean, Jarrett is in his prime too. I mean, oh, dude, it was awesome. I mean, you and guys Jarrett, are like, yeah, this is big time overall battle. Right. And we're good friends. Like, you know, we, through that whole thing, there was never animosity. I think we were both pretty excited for each other. I saw his worth ethic. He saw mine, you know, like we had a understanding between each other, who, who we were as people and, and uh, you know, I'm I'm super grateful to have him and do, have that, do you, do that you person think, pushing. So, so in your career, would you say that he was? I mean, he was obviously there was a lot of competitive overall talent, but was he the person when you would wake up at seven o'clock in the morning and take a jump set, going like, "That's the guy I need to well, be to beat." Yeah, but I I I guess I didn't even think. I mean, I I don't think I put him in my my sights. I mean, it that that probably came out wrong, but I I was skiing for myself, I guess. How okay. good could I be? Sure. Yeah, I get that's sure. a better way to say it. Well, um, the motivation for different people is different, right? Like some people are out there because of just pure competition, and like right. that's just what they want. And then right. other people are just in this competitive battle of excellence, of personal excellence. Like right. I just want to do the best I possibly can, exactly. and I think that's the best. Exactly. That's, That's it. it. Like my, my, I didn't show up going, I'm going to beat Jared. No, I went, okay. Hey man, today I want to go as far as I can. And you know, I want to go down and back and stomp a trick run and try not to blow my fin at two ball at 38. But then I'd probably blow my fin at two ball at 38 because it always happened. <laughs> do, do you think it was like in jump and trick that you knew that you could go stomp a trick run, you could go jump two thirty, but in slalom, was it just a mental block or? I would say, so I think on the dock, my legs would freeze up a little bit more than okay. other events. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I think I would just try to go too hard. Probably half the time. It was just like trying to be too up course and, you know, I don't, maybe we didn't know what we were doing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I would like, yeah, that's a great perspective. Cause I yeah. I felt that way on the dock before too. It's like, I felt good all week skiing. And then all of a sudden, like, I, I don't, I don't know. Like my yeah, body's yeah. just like a noodle and I don't. Exactly. Yeah. But and, and, and this I mean, is like through, 
like like when you when I was young, I used to get super nervous for everything. I mean, I wouldn't sleep the night before, crazy stuff. And it's it's cool. Like towards the end, I could be on a dock with zero nerves. Very I cool. mean, just nothing. And, and stone I, cold. Just right. Like and then I'll go black out. That's the craziest part is I I black out a lot skiing. It's it was so engraved that I would finish a pass or get back to dock and say, Hey, uh, how'd I do? You know, wow. I'd have to ask my pinner how'd I ski. And that's I, is is that what surfers call the flow? I mean, they're they're like yeah. a perfect wave right there. Right. Like I know Tiger Woods does it, Natalia Kuglia Van does it. Okay. So I know we have that, we share that in common. Yeah, it's cool. it's a it's a weird weird phenomenon. Well, and and you know, for our slalom listeners, that's that period of time where you're an overall skier and you're trying to balance everything. You're also balancing the technology of throttle driving through the '90s right. to now you're right. getting into cruise control and then you're into you know all sorts of things, generations of cruise control, generations of right. engines, all sorts of things. Um, it it was a it was as if in the 2000s a lot of the people were relearning how to ski on a slalom ski did you experience that at all uh man i don't think it mattered to me slaloming <laughs> to be honest i'm just going to run my one and a half at 38 <laughs> oh no, god you got to love it there there were a couple skis that i had that I, that I really liked and that I'd actually run 38 on, you know, like most of the year. Cause that, that was my pass. If I could run 38, I was doing, it was a good day. They just didn't happen at big tournaments. Like I said before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk Moomba. The last professional like win of your career. Uh, you yeah. love Moomba. You love going down to Australia, obviously a huge venue, a huge stage. It doesn't get any bigger than that from a yeah. people's standpoint what was that now how how many years has that been that i that, that i went there or how many years uh, that, how many there? years since your last win oh, when you were at Moomba? was that like four or five five years Six, ago something yeah like something that. like that so you're but, down at this site you absolutely love the venue you go down yeah. there tell us about that win because that win basically puts into your mind and i don't know if it was there before the tournament or not but maybe this is a good spot to retire. I mean, I, I, I've coached in Australia there, you know, three, four five years at that point. So for me, Mumba, I have a ton of friends, people I work with, like a uh, little Ryan Burns, Steve Burns, his dad, the Bryant family, Josh, Wayne, Suze, Michelle, like, I mean, there, there's so many people down there that make that tournament flow. It's just, it's the spectacle year after year and everybody knows about it. You know, you meet people from Australia and where do you live? Well, I live in Melbourne. You know, they ask why, well, here's skiing Moomba. Like, oh yeah. Moomba's awesome. Moomba's awesome. <laughs> Moomba's awesome. So for me, I did not ski well. I was not ready for that tournament anyways. I think I had a couple of weeks of practice and, you know, I just scrapped something together. I, I squeaked through every round doing like, you know, not even my run, not even close to my run. And then decided just to go for it in the finals. Didn't ski well. I tricked 10K. That's not a winning score. Not even close. You know, and I kind of packed up my stuff, stopped paying attention, started talking to people. And then 
people start saying, Hey, you know, you're still winning. And I'm like, no, there's no way. Like, you know, there's like eight guys, six, seven, eight guys behind me that are, should all beat me. Um, you know, and then I started paying attention towards the end and it's like ace fell on something. I don't know. I think he tried to do a ski line seven and went down. It was like, you idiot. <laughs> you just have to go down the lake and back. So yeah, that was my final win. And at, at that point, I had just thought like, you know, I'm done. So, and then my dad calls. And uh, he's like, hey, you know, you're you're qualified for masters, right? I'm like, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't gotta believe cycle I, back I did. Up and I get won. Ready. That was yeah. like that would have been a, that would have been a great place to just be done. You know, like yeah. I, I was surrounded by a lot of people I love. And. Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, I can tell I can tell you're <laughs> you're still emotional about that win yeah. a little bit. I mean, all that training. I can't think of anyone that, I mean, I mean, you look back through your whole career, all the training of seven days, six day, eight day sets, running 10 miles, you know, everything you had to pull off and it comes to this moment and it's like, man, I just, this is where it needs to stop. You know, like I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, I tried to get ready for, for masters. That was my actual last pro turn. My skied in was masters. A few days getting home, or not home, but back to Peru, I was doing toes and the rope release wrapped around itself and I did the splits mm. until the rope release finally broke or my rope broke. I can't remember which one, but I drugged for a while. Yeah. And now my groin really still hurts. <laughs> wow. It's wow. been like five years of, uh, yeah, my groin it hurts. And then we talked earlier, uh, you know, yesterday my my back hurts, so I've got six herniated discs in my lower back. Uh, you know, pinched nerve, and a certain point where I wasn't, you know, I was kind of having to crawl to get around. You know, I got got pretty bad there for a while, so I've got to avoid skiing. You know, it's it does it to me every time I go ski. It's I feel it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and I was, I was, we talked a little bit about this the other day and it's, it's one of those things. I mean, you've been dominant for such a long period of time. There seems to be this expectation when Jimmy Seamers hits the water, like, oh man, he's going to go jump 220 or something like that off no practice. And um, that's got to be very difficult because at some point, you know, the amount of work it takes to cycle up to get to that mode and right. that level. And it's just like the body's not going to allow me to do that. Well, it, yeah. And that's the problem because I, you know, I, I've been calling myself an off the couch athlete because <laughs> I can, <laughs> I mean, dude, I still got it. Like, I, you know, it doesn't matter what sport it is. I'm, I'm going to go try and I'll, I'm going to give it my all, but you know, even senior worlds, I had 10 sets, 10 jump sets in about two years. Uh, you know, I went to 14 on a three quarter. I, I know I still have it. I went out, I tricked on, uh, I created the, the Avalon trick ski, went out and tricked on a 41, which is way too small. And I was way too overweight. I felt it like, all right, I still got this. Yeah, sure. The problem is, is, you know, I, I get home and then I ice my back and, you know, and then I, I hurt for a week. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, no, completely yeah. understand. Well, I yeah, that's a great segue right there, Jimmy, because you're wearing your yeah. good hat and 
you're designing trick skis. Tell us a little bit about that, because one of the things is, and we've learned this from a couple of our guests. I mean, when we had Chris LaPointe on, he, one of the things he continued to mention about slalom skis, at least, was to to really design skis, you got to be able to ski on them, right? Like, that's right. the best way to feel it. Uh, right. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, I'm sure after designing these and you have the opp- opportunity when your body's feeling good to get out there on the trick ski, that probably brings out a lot of creative manufacturing, I would think. For me, it started during COVID. You know, I don't want to really bring that up, but yeah, I had a couple of years where I couldn't go to Australia. I couldn't go to Peru. I couldn't go coach. So I, I had to pivot and shift. And, you know, I, I ended up buying SolidWorks like AutoCAD you know, figured out, just kind of played with it. And over time I started making like 3D printing fishing lures. I 3D printed, well, I, I designed my house and then 3D printed it. And I'm like, you know, let's- That's cool. Let's, yeah, I mean, I'm catching bass with my own lures that I'm, you know, <laughs> that I'm making. And, and like, it's, <laughs> it's like this cool stuff. And then, you know, I kind of started drawing foils. Um, you know what a foil is? Yeah. That's that's probably my new passion in life. My, <laughs> I it takes a little bit hand. of stress off the the handle if you can go. Oh, it, right, exactly. And uh, I mean, I would love to. Uh, I don't know. I, I I would love to just foil all day long, but I can't because that kind of hurts my back a little bit too with all the pumping. So I learned to draw, and then I I was in Cabo with Richard Abelson, and we've been talking about trick skis for a while. And uh, can you hear that jet? I can hear it. Yeah. Is it right yeah. over your house? No, I'm you're in the, in the office. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. They fly over F-16s um, or F-18s. I'm not sure. But yeah. So Richard and I started coming up with with some ski designs and, you know, we, we had Jake in mind and we started talking about theory over the course of, you know, kind of a couple of years. We designed this ski. But then I actually had the means to draw it and create it. Um, so, you know, I could put my ideas down on paper. Uh, so once we designed, we designed the ski and we're, we're essentially looking for something that was super efficient in the lake. Um, you know, looking through the, all, all sorts of designs from other sports, pulling things from all, all realms. And then obviously we needed it manufactured. So... Richard got a hold of good and went ahead and manufactured it. And then, you know, at the same time, they kind of went, Hey, maybe he can come work for us. You know, I'm Very like, cool. All right. That'd be cool. <laughs> and that's where you're at right now. That's where you want to go. Right. Like I want to go play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I make cool things. <laughs> Very cool. So, so you're, you're heavily involved in, in manufacturing, coming up with ideas. That's really cool to hear too, that you're looking at other sports um, right. and seeing how those technologies potentially cross over. And so looking forward, what, you know, obviously you're doing that. What are some of the other things that you're going to look forward to in your future? It seems like I'm going to be looking forward to a lot of snowmobiling, snow skiing, <laughs> hiking no I, I i'm loving utah you know the winter sports are unreal i live at the lake at, at good lake so the lake's right there i don't know i i am enjoying living here but i do they, they let me go home for two months to go home to texas in the summer and i'll coach there in the summer i've got my group of kids there and my parents next door so you know it's a good opportunity for me to 
to get to, I guess, change it up a little bit, relax a little bit, but at the same time, you know, help help sure. the kids around the lake ski. It sounds like you still have a, a pretty strong passion to go coach. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. And, and we coach here. We have, um, you know, I have, well, I shouldn't say that. I have one kid that comes here every once in a while. No, we have people that ski at the lake and I'll just hop in the boat and coach, even though, you know, I'm not saying I'm not supposed to, but technically, I guess it's not my job. But yeah, <laughs> dude, if, if there's ever somebody skiing and, and you know, I'm bored, <laughs> I'm hopping in the boat. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I wanted to ask you this one question, and that question is, I water ski because. I don't water ski. It hurt. <laughs> <laughs> As a true um, Hall of Famer would say. You know, I, I, I think I water ski because it's a process. Yeah. Everything's a, a process, and, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of steps to to become you know what what I have become you know it's not like I did one thing that that got me here I did a lot of things and you know followed a lot of a lot of rules and uh you know executed a plan Very a long-term cool. plan a long-term uh, uh, all the way Very back to seven years old of having the vision that's incredible well Jimmy this has been such a cool episode I mean I, I've looked up to you for such a long period of time. I mean, you, you look back on your career and you look at kind of the people who paved the way. And for you, for me, watching you, you know, it was like, oh, like maybe I could go try that flip. Or, you know, yeah. you almost needed somebody to kind of go show you those things were possible and you were that guy. I mean, that was an unbelievable time to watch you go through the juniors and then break all those world records and then yeah. having a tremendous career. And, um, you know, I'm right. so pumped up to get this published and have people listen to it because you have an amazing yeah. story. No, I appreciate it. And hey, you, you too. You, you, you've, uh, someone should interview you. <laughs> I don't know everything that I would say in my interview. I Maybe mean, we'll have you back on to interview me. How's like, that? You know, you got, you got, <laughs> you got your twin boys. You, you've got your wife and, uh, and a, and a baby girl, right? Yep. Yep. Three and, kids. And then, Let's see. You were you worked at Bucky's. Worked at Bucky's, and if you haven't been to was, Bucky's, you got to go to a Bucky's. Right. I mean, the three bazillion gas pumps in like the cleanest restrooms ever. Yeah, yeah. But what, well, what and it was it was cool, man. Like, you know, where my career kind of took me was to the microphone, right? So yeah. to it to did. go to a Masters, for example, and to be able to call you for so many years and call those runs, and I, you know, it's just a lot of great memories and. Um, I always get excited, obviously, in the lineup when I see people that I've looked up to and like, here I am calling a run. So, yeah, um, I'm certainly going to miss that now that you're retired. But I <laughs> well, do thank you for don't, all Don't years. worry. There, there's kids that would be killing me right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's a good question. What What do you think about like specifically trick scheme? I mean, what I'm seeing out there with these kids, yeah, it's unbelievable. Right. The flips, the ski line, everything right. that they're doing. I know um, that that little that little group, right? That little core group that was fighting at Junior Worlds, dude, so cool to watch. Very cool. It, it's uh, there. There's truly some talent out there. Yeah, no but, doubt. And the sport is in really good hands. And specifically, uh, tricking right now is just unbelievable. Yeah, it's some of some of the things the kids are doing. And Joel Joel Poland obviously 
is like paving the way on some of these new flips and uh it's it's pretty cool to watch i enjoy watching it i i'm, I'm hoping my back gets better and i can go try some of this stuff like uh the mobs i'm five i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure i got that in like one or two tries i think one i see or two it. tries yeah i don't think it's gonna take long <laughs> you know that's Usually always I interesting it, I can, I can you know some it. people some people don't even understand that but you know i've had conversations with you in the past where you'd be like well let me think about that now okay i think i can do it like you yeah. don't even need to try it you already know how your body yeah, yeah, would spin yeah. into that position right like i know where to be on the ski and when and how much pressure and you know it's just kind of yeah that's it but hey back to your career man are you you're uh, a lawyer yeah, I'm a lawyer. Well, the, the most yeah. important thing I'm doing right now is I'm the host of the Hit It podcast, well, interviewing Jimmy Seymour. I mean, but also, you're part. are you a partner? Yep. Uh, practicing Dang, law here man. in Houston and uh, general counsel at Houston Christian University. A lot, lot of things Dang. going on, but man, to, to still be so attached to the sport is just a yeah. huge blessing for me, right? Like to right. come on this podcast, to interview you, to interview all the great skiers that we've had on and will have on, man, I, I'm just so blessed by it. Yeah, no, it's awesome. There's always something that, that will always keep me in the sport, you know, and like for you, you found the mic for me, it's been coaching and now designing. And, and honestly, I started having this thought, like, you know, I, I should hit every facet of the sport. Sure. Become involved in, in every facet and truly have this big overall scope and knowledge of the whole thing like i'm kind of in design and ski building you know I, I need to be a judge i've judged before but you know i should be a pan am judge it'd be cool to design a boat yeah that would be um you know i mean just every hit every facet absolutely well amazing. you're you're always welcome to join me on the mic in fact we find yeah. that jimmy i mean seriously <laughs> with the amount of knowledge and the coaching and the manufacturing listeners and viewers that's that's what they want to hear they really want to hear about you know the physics involved all sorts of things that uh, you would bring so anytime you know maybe we could get together to jump on the mic at a tournament here this summer yeah, i don't know but that would be super <laughs> super fun to call some tricks with you yeah for sure absolutely anytime all right yeah buddy this has been an amazing podcast uh so happy for you and an, an incredible career man we're all applauding you as you make your way into the hall of fame this year i appreciate it all maybe right. you should come up and instead of me doing a speech you just interview me again hey we can do that we can sit down <laughs> and mean, we can just interview <laughs> just, this is more well, my style anyhow <laughs> well yeah this is just a practice for your speech now you know what right. to talk about <laughs> Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> All right, Jimmy. Well, signing off, man. All right. Cheers. I appreciate it, Tyler. Have a good one. Thanks again for listening and come back for future episodes of the Hit It Podcast as we catch up with current stars and legends of the sport. Thanks again to our sponsor, Visit Central Florida. And don't forget to subscribe, review, and rate this podcast. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.